1994, the Criminal Justice and Public Order Act made it illegal to have certain gatherings of people around and, this is a quote, music wholly or predominantly characterised by the omission of a succession of repetitive beats. Hello, hello and welcome along to another episode of Shedcast, brought to you by Putting It Together. My name is Brian O'Sullivan. Welcome to the official podcast of the Shedinburgh Fringe Festival, Shedcast. Thank you very much for joining me once again. Um, we're into, I think we're into our sixth or seventh podcast now, and uh, it's so great to see people listening and, and sharing and stuff like that. So please do keep doing that, and thanks for coming along and having a listen. It's good to, to get a wee insight, isn't it, to, to how these shows are made and what's what's behind everything. So we've just seen, well, last night we saw Lorne MacDonald give his special reading of Beats. And then uh, I had the privilege of having him sit across from me here in my wee Shedcast studio to talk about that play and, uh, of course, the film, which... uh, Oh, I'm bumping away into the mic here. Um, Yeah, the film, which he was in and won a BAFTA for as well. A brilliant film. I just watched it for the first time last night, would you believe? Um just to kind of get clued up so it was so cool actually to have seen the film the night before and then just watch the play um and see the differences and you know and the the other interesting thing i found was that this play was i mean it's a solo play that was performed by the writer historically that's how it is it's a solo piece of kieran's that he would perform um it's a storytelling thing so to see lorne do it as a reading he had he hadn't done it before and um his involvement with this piece has always been the film and of course that's been over a number of years since he first heard about it auditioned you know the whole process um so it's just an interesting little sideswipe on on how he's come to be involved in it and then at the same time right now he's directing and editing a film of another kieran hurley play and again it's another kind of sideways look at mouthpiece it's called declan and it's about the the central character in mouthpiece or one of the two so that's coming out on monday as well and it's just it was a perfect really a perfect time to talk to Kieran, that wasn't Kieran. It was a perfect time to talk to Lauren. I was talking to Kieran today, and he wishes you all well. Um, but yeah, it was it was just a good moment to catch him because he's right, you know, at the very tail end of of putting together this film, and also he just walked off stage having performed Beats for the first time. So just great, and of course a a, a lovely reminder of just how great Kieran Hurley's work is as well. Remember you can listen to an episode from the archives um that Kieran did. That was in 2018 at some point. So you know that gives you another wee bit of insight. It seems ages ago when I talked to Kieran, but yeah, what a joy. So yes, it's been a lovely day and it's been just great to be on the sidelines seeing it all happen and, and talking about the, the process and stuff like that. Remember there's so many more shows still to come at the Shedinburgh Fringe, so do go to Shedinburgh.com and look through the, the the list of shows because it's a tremendous lineup as i've said many times you're bound to find something that suits you perfectly and if you've not seen anything so far or if you have or whatever there's so many shows and the money that's raised from the box office is all going into a fund which helps young and emerging artists get to the fringe next time we have one which of course we sincerely hope is next year so you can imagine a chance to see all this great work, but also a chance to help level the playing field at the Edinburgh Fringe 
and help people get here who otherwise might not be able to get here. It's a hugely costly experience um, and a brilliant one and a life-changing one for many people. But it's restrictive. Um, you know, the cost makes it restrictive to, to certain people, to a lot of people. So any help that, that you can give to that is much appreciated. Tickets start at just £4. So that's that's the minimum donation. And you can give as much as you like. So if you're watching with a team of people um, or you can afford to give a bit more, then consider doing so. You can get all the information at shedinburgh.com. And as I mentioned on our social media yesterday, a lot of new acts have just been announced. So there's stuff being added all the time as well. There's wee secrets and wee, wee Easter eggs here and there. So just keep your eyes peeled and stay tuned to this podcast for more information. Now, you can also support this podcast um, for a very small fee, and there's many ways you can support the show, but the first and most important way is to do it financially, through puttingittogethercast.com. You click the yellow donate button, and that takes you to PayPal. It's very simple. Some people give a few pounds a month, some people give a bit more, uh, sometimes it's a one-off, sometimes it's it's a monthly um, subscription. It's up to you, and if you can't afford to do it, please don't worry, please keep listening to the show, because that's much more important. But if you can, you can spare the few quid, then it's much appreciated because it means that this show becomes part of my income and I get paid for my work. And that is obviously a big bonus for doing this work. It's a, it's a huge amount of work and I love to do it for you. So consider donating and making that easier. Puttingittogethercast.com and look for the yellow donate button. Right, now that's enough of the housekeeping. It's time to listen to my interview with Lorne MacDonald. He's here with me and we are Putting It Together. All right, we man. It was good. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was good. It was fine. <laughs> I, I, I surprised myself. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I kind of got. There were moments where I was like, "This is. It's nice to be saying words at people again." Yeah, just in, in any format, really. Yeah, I mean, I could have just been talking about what I got up to over the last. Seven months. And <laughs> it's just it would nice have to, taken longer. Yeah. Than, it might have taken less time than that. Actually, it's just nice to be needed again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To have people listen. Oh, monologue. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, this show is not. Um, you'd never done this show in that format. Don't know. No, you've never no. done the show. You you were in the film. Take it one further. I'd only read this version of the script um, just a few weeks ago. Right. Okay. When they when they when they they, uh, they brought the idea to me. Um, so it was really interesting, kind of going like, "Oh wow, the f- the film is very different from the original play mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Th- thematically, it's obviously very similar, and there are some characters that kind of stand out as as uh, ones that they kind of went, okay, there's something here,' and they pulled it in. But yeah, it's a the film and the the original play feel very very different now that I look at them. Yeah, they do. Yeah. What was your first encounter with the film? Like, how how did your journey with that start? Uh, I saw a tweet that Ken Loach's Twitter people yeah. put up saying that they were looking for young Scottish guys uh, and I think I was about 22 or something um, and you know the the part was for like 17 year old kind of thing mm-hmm. and I went I can do that <laughs> I can I'm, I'm real young looking yeah so uh, then I got in touch with my agent and was like, can you please get me seen for this? <laughs> That's then, what we do. And then I did a self-tape where I actually auditioned for Jono, not Spanner. Oh, right, okay. Um, and then I met the director, Brian. I got on really well with him. And then he wanted me to come back again. Um, and then a couple of, I came back two more times as Jono. And then by the end of it, I was <clears throat> me sat with like a kind of 
conveyor belt of spanners kind of coming in. A load and of spanners. Yeah, it was it was a bit surreal. And then and, and you know in my head I'm going, I've I've got this. Mm-hmm. I think I mean I've I've, I've I've got this. You were the one Jono. I, I was the one. Them. I was the one Jono, and there was just these six spanners coming in, seven spanners. I'm like, mate, <laughs> they're compared. This is this yeah, is yeah. this is looking good. And then Brian, the director, was like, "Long can I speak to you at the end?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah sure." And I thought he was going to go, "This is the moment." Yeah, yeah of <laughs> like, course, yeah. You got the parts. You got to be a star, kid. You got to be a star, kid. <laughs> um, but he didn't. He went, "You're going to hate me." And I went, "Oh no." what have I done and he went I think you've got a bit of spanner in you which is a weird way of phrasing it but that's what he said um, <laughs> and I had to come back the next week and he was and, and auditioned for the, the other part of spanner which actually in my opinion fortunately is the is the part that I enjoyed playing a lot more I think you're so spanner to me I know it's, it it's kind so of much sense. it's a bit strange thinking as as Jono now mm. um, especially with Christian doing Jono so well so um but yeah, that's how it started off. And then I came back and I got a haircut. A fantastic haircut. Got a good haircut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did it myself as well. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Well, that adds to the, the joy. I just, yeah, I love doing weird stuff to my hair. Because <laughs> I can't grow beards or moustaches or anything right. to make parts look like I'm different people. Yep. So uh, I have to do wild things to my hair. It's all in the hair. <laughs> yeah. When I played Shylock at drama school, I died. My hair and my eyebrows jet black. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I've yeah. got such an image in my head. Right? Uh-huh. Did that not look very odd? It did. I had a girlfriend at the time. We're not together now. No, no. Yeah, I could be part of it. Yeah. <laughs> where, where in the timeline did you do um, Train Spotting? You know, in the timeline of Beats. Ah, uh, Train Spotting came. Well, actually, funny story about Train Spotting in connection with Beats is that I did Train Spotting a year before I. Had auditioned for beats or like six months before i auditioned for beats and i actually auditioned for a for a tv show called i think it's called the loch it wasn't called the loch when i auditioned for it but that's what it's called now and mm-hmm. it was with um laura fraser the incredible laura fraser who uh was going to be in the loch and i was going up for one of the it's like a detective thing i was going up for one of the young the young parts and stuff mm-hmm. like that and then i went for train spotting and like when i had a chat with gareth and i got the part of that it's just like oh, renting, train spawn, Scottish by his absolute dream control, dream control, dream came true. Um, it was, <laughs> it was, it was just, it was amazing. And then my agent was just really, really pushing me for this TV thing. I was like, oh. I feel really bad because, you know, TV's more people are going to see it yeah. and it's a lot more money for you. But I can't turn down train spawn. But actually, it was, it, it worked out really well because because I did train spot and um, the casting director of beats saw me in that so she knew that i could do you know Raj. that type of thing yeah yeah because there are similarities heroin chic <laughs> heroin chic yeah. i mean it's I, we were talking about it before you were shooting today that it kind of brings back memories not all good of mm. being at mad parties like that and, and you know oh for sure how much kind of parallel do you draw from your own life if that's not too yeah. personal a question no, I mean, th- this is the thing. I think the, the, there has to be a level of honesty when you're approaching a character that's doing stuff like that. Yeah. And you have to kind of look quite deep into, like, the worst moments of those of those experiences and the best moments of those experiences. Um, and, uh, yeah, God, that's just terrible, terrible times. Well, I think there's, you can always God. tell when someone's playing one of those characters and doesn't have any 
real lived experience or hasn't yeah, done the Yeah, it's kind of like when you see someone that, that's never had a cigarette smoke a cigarette oh, and you're like, oh, just just cut the cigarette. Yeah, just cut yeah. it. It's not, you no, don't need no, to look... It's so obvious, isn't it's it? So, it's, and, it's, and it's really brutal. And I think I think the thing with um, with Beats, which was which was one of the main reasons why it was a, it worked so well was because me and Christian had had those nights together. Together, yeah. You know, like we on the the last the last without giving anything away, they go to a rave, by the way. Yeah. Um, but in the end, when it, they're like, you know, they're absolutely they're on a come down and they're absolutely hanging and they're in bed together and they're just like Bleh, like that. That was day. Th- that was the third day of filming of Beats. So mm. we hadn't done any. There had been there had been no party. There had been <laughs> right. there had been no journey. It was literally like all the all the first three scenes were all in that bedroom. So it was like the start when we're mucking about at the start, yeah. And then that last scene. And if it hadn't been me and Christian who have who are who are like best mates and who have been on those nights together, to like be like snuggled up with an actor that you've like just met, yeah. being like, wow, we've been on such a journey together. It's like <laughs> when you're actually like, no, you're not. You're just. It, it, I think yeah. it would. I think it really would show. Um, so we were really lucky actually that it worked out the way that it did because, yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, most of my horrible experiences have been with Christian as well as the best, <laughs> <laughs> all the best and the worst. Yeah. Do you get a sense from reading it in that way that you've just done? of what Kieran's experience was with it when it first came onto the scene then. Yeah, I think, I mean, Kieran's an interesting one because when I've, similar to the director as well of, of Beats, is that they, they are, when, when I always like the bit when, when it was coming out and the trailers were coming out for the Beats and stuff like that, they were like, 1994, the rave scene was done by then. It's like, yes, yes, sir. That's what we're doing. That's the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go see the movie. <laughs> Um, but I think to, to, to an extent that's kind of why it's set when it's set it's not right in the you know it's at, it's the dregs it's, it's the, the tail dregs. End, yeah, it's yeah, the end of a friendship and it's the end of this massive thing and for Brian and Keenan I think it was a similar thing where they, they, they missed it you know and they kind of look back at it as something that they can remember but not remember in this necessarily the same way that you know the hardcore the hardcores yeah. would have done um, which is I suppose similar to me and Christian as well, trying to you know you try and remember the experiences you've had, but then also there is a, an element of time traveling. Yeah. And, um, yeah. But Kieran and Brian have like flipping out. They've done their research. Mm. You know, I, I mean, Kieran, Kieran. I think reading Kieran's play there, it's like I can totally see immediately that anyone who saw that would go, "This can be a movie." I can totally see that. Whereas other some stuff, I'm like. You know, I can't really, can't really see that, but no, it's vivid though, isn't it? it? Yeah, it really feels it. It feels like an an incredibly well written treatment for a film. Yeah, it does. Yeah, a really lengthy treatment. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've got you, you've left your uh, strong in the shed. Mm. I didn't realize this that people were to bring something to leave. Is that one of the instructions? Yeah, I got that email probably about three weeks ago and completely forgot about it. And then on the way here, I was like. Have to bring something. shit, <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, "What could I bring? Bring an Eki. <laughs> Just put that there." Right, and the next um, person goes, "I wonder what this." Yeah, is. exactly. Yeah. Someone's left a paracetamol. <laughs> um, so I decided that I would bring all concentrate, the strong, which is something that's actually not in the film. Um, yeah, it's, a it's purely. Not, yeah. It's a purely. Um, it's a. It's a, that's that's. I suppose that's one of the, the good things about this. Um, in terms of reading this. Um, Although I still think it'd be better if they just got Keen to do it, but he's a busy man. <laughs> but um, but yeah, there's so, there, there's there's an, a, 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 there is a kind of a lot of random detail and little kind of like special features that 
um, that they that, that that aren't in it, and that's one that I really really like. That strong analogy. Yeah, some of those little things that are great in theatre and they're they're perfect for it, and mm. yet they just not for any real reason. They just don't make it into the film. I mean, like it wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't make sense. Like what well, I, I can see the dialogue being so hammy in on theatre with yeah. him doing it with with Kieran doing like a monologue as it is. There's a there's an element of kind of like oh, this is a bit wanky, but you get what I mean. There's like a oneness when you're saying all these characters together. They're all connected because it's through some one person's voice. Sure, yeah, yeah. And the whole thing with uh and some of the the kind of the dialogue and some of the characters just wouldn't work in a film sense. Of course. Which is actually something not to <laughs> not to move on to the next project, but is something that I'm genuinely finding is one of the main. Uh, interests and difficulties and you know questions of moving Declan the play that I did at Mouthpiece also by Kieran Hurley into yes. film world is, yeah. is asking what makes sense to the theatre and, and actually what what can we do with a shot what do we how much how much do we actually need to have this character monologuing for five minutes when actually you can do it day we look one one image yeah yeah exactly because I suppose the, the thing about the strong is it's it is one thing but it also captures a kind of a general the, the silly little things that we do in childhood are really important at the time it's just an example of one of those yeah. things isn't yeah. it everyone's got one of those things just something like that and I I was like oh that's a thing but I, I thought of all a bunch of other things that mm. from my childhood that were really important to us yeah you, you got any good ones uh, my pal used to eat potato scones raw when he was hungry he used to grab a couple of potato scones out of the fridge and I don't know why that's just come back to me. Um, oh, did you ever try one? Just yeah, they're great. Are they? What, oh. frozen? No, not frozen. So no, wait. out the fridge. Just oh, right, right, okay. So fresh. So, all right, so but fresh. Not, not heated up. Not heated up. They don't need cooked. I've always the assumed they needed to be cooked. No, but the potatoes already they? cooked. It's just a I thought when you pancake, said fridge, I immediately thought like they would be like hard, more like a crisp. You know, like you'd break them. <laughs> And chewing, do you know what I mean? Yes, no, and I was not like, that wow, at all. That's really <laughs> like a big Dorito. Yeah, like a big <laughs> potato scone Dorito. That's what I was thinking you were going. That's with a it. whole other area. I'm gonna, I might, might, might give that a go. Yeah, I mean, a bunch of stuff like that, you know. But as you say, it wouldn't, it wouldn't sit in the film. But tell me about Declan. I, I naively thought that perhaps what you were doing was a spin-off of this character, but actually, it's an adaptation, is it, of Mouthpiece? Hmm, what is it? It's, it's a strange one. Yeah. So they asked me, they basically asked me to do a kind of hour and 20 filmed version of the two characters on stage talking mm-hmm. with shots of Edinburgh, which, you know, might have been good, but it wasn't necessarily something that I was interested in directing. Right. So I kind of pitched the idea that um, there was more to be found with the character of Declan. So if anything... It does follow the story of Mouthpiece, but it also takes twists and turns that Mouthpiece doesn't do either. Okay. It goes in its own direction. It, it very much feels like its own entity. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of something... That, there's a couple of things that I was really interested in that while acting as Declan, I, f- I, I thought of mm-hmm. all the, like a couple of years ago. And then even when I was um, getting Angus back in, who played the character the year after me, yeah. Um, he also felt, which was really interesting, where there's a bit right at the end of the play where the Declan is watching his whole life basically being acted out in front of him by mm-hmm. what Libby has written. Yep. And the way that we do that in the show to move the story on is he's sitting in the audience and he goes, everyone shuts up and listens. And then the lights go dark and there's a... 
doof, doof, yeah, yeah. Doof, doof. And then it comes up, and then I go. By the end, I was just staring at my feet like that, white as a sheet. Blah blah blah. And so uh, he's seen the whole show. So he's seen the whole show. Yeah. So when basically in those three beats, me myself and Angus have to try and imagine what it's like to just sit and watch someone, you know, play out your life in front of you in a really horrific, um, con- you know, controlled. Mm. Um, and possibly fake way as well, you know, you know, uh, putting you in a bad light or or whatever, um, and that was always a tough thing to kind of go like, I don't know, I always miss that opportunity, um, like that moment. It's 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 selfish, but it's one of those moments where it's like that moment isn't for the audience, but for an actor playing it. You kind of go, I wish I I wish I could just see a little bit of what that would be like, rather than just trying to kind of conjure my imagination on yeah. those three beats. To to sit in it, or to experience sit, it. to sit in that feeling of someone else in your shoes and 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 playing out your life for all these people. Mm. So basically, that's what Declan is. The whole this this film that we've made, this half an hour version, mm-hmm. is this idea of who is we're asking the questions of like who is the real Declan, who's the who's the theatre Declan, who's the the guy on the on the street? Are either of them real? Are they both actors? And and kind of pushing that forward, where in a play sense and in a script sense, Libby is constantly editing and writing what Declan does. That then means that when she when he when she writes something he does it yeah so when you're in directing a film and you're in the editing you can have a lot of fun with that because mm-hmm. it's the editor who decides what you say and how you say it so there's a lot of there's there's a metaness to the play and we really take that a step further with Declan where we kind of have a lot of fun with the the audience's expectations and kind of fucking around with the audience as well yeah you know lulling them into kind of like this is what the film is did you see mouthpiece did you enjoy it and right. then and then kind of going like nah you know snatching snatching a feeling away from them or making them go like i don't know seeing things in a slightly different light it sounds like something that charlie kaufman would do you know like it's you know what it's it's the the sound mixer on it um david who's been an absolute hero on it he was like he hadn't seen the play he's just been working on the film and he's mm-hmm. like it's a bit like being John Malkovich but in Scotland isn't it right, like, right. I was like yeah I suppose it is a bit <laughs> John O. Malkovich yeah but yeah Kaufman that's a good that's a good one yeah I started watching one of his films the other night and I, I just wasn't you know you have to which, be in the mood yeah oh yeah Synecdoche which New York which I've never still never got through no I've not seen it but Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it which of course attracted me to it well of course but I really the liked master. Adaptation Years ago, I saw Adaptation, and it was great. Yeah, Nicolas Cage is just amazing in that. It's a he's, good film. He's so strange, Nicolas Cage. I can he never is. quite figure out what's going on. Yeah. Is that his hair? Is that his real face? Why is he like that? Yeah. Confused. Have you seen Face Off? No, I've never seen Face Off. Oh, glorious. With Travolta? Oh. Yeah. It, it might be the greatest film of all time. No. I think it's up there. The greatest film of all time is The Bird Cage, and you know it. Mm, it's up there as well. <laughs> That's my favorite film. No, you gotta watch. You gotta watch uh, Face Off. I need to watch Face Off. Oh, it's so good. I've only seen it once, and that's all you ever need to see of it. Okay, well, that's that's good. And then watch the podcast. The podcast on it. How did this get made? Okay, yeah, oh, so good. Okay, oh, <laughs> that sounds like an evening for me. It's very fun. So when do we see <clears throat> Declan? Uh, Monday, twenty fourth of <gasps> August. Really? Yeah, super soon. Wow. As soon as I finish this podcast, I'm going to be ringing up King Kim Moore and being like, "Let me hear your." third pass at the, yep. the 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 soundtrack is she composing she is composing right. for it so she's using a lot of the tracks that she originally had for mouthpiece but again because this is something this is like something separate mm-hmm. this is something 
else as well there needs to be moments where we kind of mess around with that narrative as well yeah everything i'm saying sounds so vague and stupid but if you see the film and then listen to this it would actually make way more sense rather than me being like it's about nothing and everything (laughs) well don't adjust your dials folks yeah (laughs) do stay with us (laughs) and then also go and watch this film on monday where can we see it i think the trav are going to be putting on well no i'm going to be putting on the trav youtube because there's no way that i'm sending that massive yeah huge yeah i think it's like 150 gigabytes and are you are you editing yeah right yeah i uh yeah it's one of those ones where i'm half of it's me acting as the character because we've also got angus in it and there's obvious reasons why we're doing that mm-hmm. i'm directing it and i'm editing it wow it's a big yeah. job it is it's been an intense four weeks but it's a great buzz i find editing and put when things start to come together oh i love it it's I love such it. a joy i mean i love directing because i love talking to actors i love telling stories and i love setting up shots and all that kind of stuff but there's a rush that i get when i'm in that editing suite yeah it's when you're when you sew something together and you Uh go will it work will it work Uh uh-huh my my favorite moments are when you accidentally edit something and then you watch it back and you go whoa that's amazing you didn't even mean it and you go people are gonna think i'm a genius but (laughs) actually it was a mistake that you've just kept in i'm really not doesn't happen a lot but when it does happen oh Oh boy gold dust (laughs) That's brilliant. Well, we can see that on from Monday the twenty fourth, mm. and we've had our chance now to see your version of Beats. It's gone. Yes. This is the thing about this festival, which I kind of love trying to get my head around, is the fact that we only have one chance to see these things. They're not downloadable. You can't pause or rewind them. I didn't. This is new to me. I didn't know <laughs> this. Great. Okay. It's done. Cool. Wow. <laughs> Do you feel good about that? Um, I feel like I could have done it better, but you know the whole point of it is it's a one take wonder. It's live. Yeah. You, know, so you gotta you just gotta get it out there. So well, well done. Thank you, and thanks for coming to chat to me after. Oh, I had fun. <laughs> glorious, fucking glorious. There you go, Lauren McDonald, giving us a wee bit of insight into what happens, how it's all done, and uh, also that great bit of. And extra info about about Declan, which is coming out in a few days. It sounds like a really exciting project. So it's a great day to talk to Lorne, and it's a great day to be on the Shedcast. Thank you very much for listening to it. Remember to follow Shedinburgh Fest on Instagram and Twitter, and also Pod for all your podcast needs. Keep in touch with us. Give me a shout. Let me know what you think. And if you're watching stuff on Shedinburgh, tag us. Let us know you're watching. Tell us what you think. We want you to be involved and let your pals know it's happening. That's the key, isn't it? Let your pals know you're listening to this show and that you're watching shows at the Shedinburgh Fest. Thank you so much for your support up till now and uh, keep coming back and watching on that website to see what's coming up because we're only, oh, we're not even a third of the way through this terrific lineup. And later in the season, sometimes we have more than one show in an evening. Can you believe that? So it's it's exciting stuff. And this podcast will be your companion throughout and I'm so glad of that. So thanks very much for listening. Stick with us and uh, come back at the same time tomorrow when we'll have Adam Kashmiri talking about his performance, a special reading, that is, of uh, his show, Adam. And uh, and on and on we go. It's dead exciting. So thanks for staying in touch with us and um, we'll see you at the same time tomorrow. Cheerio now. Cheerio.